Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. United suffer a fourth home league defeat of the season against Bristol Rovers, and we look ahead to this weekend's big game against Charlton Athletic. But none of that is the big news this week, as we're about to record, confirmation came through, the takeover is complete. Yeah, it does kind of feel like we should have replaced the uh, opening theme with the Star Spangled Banner, doesn't it? Today, yeah. Mike. <laughs> it's, well, it, it's it's taken a while, but we're there. I mean, we're getting, obviously, we said we we're going to talk about the Bristol Rovers game, the Charlton game. We're not going to talk a huge amount about them, if I'm brutally honest. The Bristol Rovers game was two weeks ago, and it's kind of in the past now. Um, the Charlton game we'll talk a little bit about, but... The main thing I'm going to talk about is the takeover, isn't it? And just yeah. before we get onto that in the news section, just some of your initial thoughts. Well, I mean, I was, I think, obviously having attended the meeting and all that, I was very positive and very, you know, I knew it was all for mm. real. There was a few fans who I think weren't a part of the meeting and they had the attitude of, oh, I believe it when I see it. And, you know, we knew sort of how real this was, but I still didn't want to totally believe until it had finally happened and... Now it's finally happened. It's just a fantastic relief, really, more than anything. It's, you know, 15 years in the making, 15 years of custodianship. We'll talk about them shortly. We'll probably go a bit more into depth this maybe in a week's time when we've had a bit of time to reflect on everything that's happened. But it does feel like such a momentous day in the club's history and to get it done with plenty of time before the January transfer window, that's one of the key points, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And we can maybe get other bits around the club in-house, you know, in order before the window starts, which is yeah. which is good. Yeah, there's already been a bit of work starting the fan zone, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, uh, but there you go. So, uh, yeah, before we get started, uh, we've also got to mention our sponsors, as usual, the Carl United Sports Club London branch. We're all very excited about this news as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, the London branch for the fourth se- or third season sorry, in a row, they're sponsoring us, which really, really is appreciated. They help us uh, a massive amount with our hosting costs. Um, you can find about the London branch on the website, carlislelondonbranch.org. You can join them wherever you live in the world. You don't have to live in the London or the South East. Jacksonville Jaguar. Get the Piatic signed up to the London branch, that's what I say. Um, yeah, if you live anywhere in America, you know, if you live... I mean, name some of the places in Florida, Mike. You spend a lot of time in Florida, don't you? Go on, name, name yeah, some places. Yeah, well, Orlando's where I tend to go. You've got Key West, which a lot of rich people live there, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, a few, few lovely lovely places. Clearwater, a nice place. Yes, Excellent. So there you go. You can, if you live in any part of Florida, you can join. If you live in part of you know, Mongolia, you can join. If you live in... I don't know, Transylvania in Romania, you can join, yeah? I'm just I'm running, naming random places here, but there you go. So find out more about them on their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. No question of the day this week, because we just haven't had time to sort it out. Um, on to the new section. So, Mike, are we going to... Um, are we going to talk about the takeover first, do you reckon, or should we do the other news first and cover that off? off before we Get the, the other stuff out of the way with, I think. Okay, so yeah, let's cover those other bits. Um, well, first up, we'll do Jordan Gibson, shall we? Um... Last time out, we had the news for you that he'd missed out on the EFL's own League One Player of the Month award for October, but he's been lucky in the PFA one, hasn't he, Mike? And that's a public vote, so fantastic stuff. Jordan Gibson has been nominated, uh, well, nominated, he's won the PFA 
League One Player of the Month award for October. Quite deserved as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I find our players often do well in fan voted uh, things. I think because we're just massive. So yeah, we, we, we vote in our numbers, don't we? With things like that, yeah. to say. But yeah, fantastic stuff. And yeah, he's having a brilliant season. We all agree on that, don't we? Probably him and Lavelle up and Melish maybe up there for the player of the season at the moment in the way I things think are going. Guy would have been in there as well, but <clears throat> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. No, unfortunately, that's not going to happen now, sadly. Um, a couple of other little bits of news and some of the small bits of news. Uh, obviously, the Barnsley game was called off um, last week uh, due to international call-ups. It was a bit of a funny one, this one, wasn't it? Because they couldn't technically call it off until after their game against Derby, could they? Because mm. cause of the way it works, to be counted as one of the players who's in international call-up, you have to have been on the first team bench or something or in the f- squad for a certain number of games. So they had to put one of the youth internationals on the bench for that game so that mm. he was covered off, which meant they had the three internationals. Otherwise, they only had, would have had two covered in it, apparently. So a bit of a ridiculous one, really. But yeah, there you go. I, I'm not going to argue with it because I'd rather pl- I wouldn't I'd rather play yeah. them a bit later yes. on anyway. So Well, we say a bit later on. They, they've just been kicked out of the FA Cup today because they've mm. been fielding an ineligible, ineligible player. As a result, they've got a free week on, on 2nd of December, as do we. I'm kind of hoping they don't move then because I've made plans that weekend now. So it's kind of like, I think a lot of fans have made plans that weekend as well. So that would be typical. But I think they've appealed against it, haven't they? So it might be a little while before that's confirmed. But I mean, you'd hope they'd confirm it sooner rather than later, wouldn't you? Yeah, although I seem to recall, this, is, this isn't the first time this has happened. And it it's typical that the team is normally just out and that's that. Yeah, there's, there's very, very little leeway, isn't there, from the FA in terms of... Yeah. Feeling, fielding players who are not eligible to play. I think it's basically they had a lad, one of their lads was on loan at York and he'd been on the bench for York in a couple of early rounds. Mm. As, and as a result, technically, he wasn't allowed, even though he didn't come on for York in those games, he, he couldn't feature for uh, for Barnsley and he played against Barnsley. Because I, I, well, in a lot of competitions, you're only cup tied if you've actually physically yeah, played. Par- apparently, it's because he was on the bench. So, mm. so there you go. Um, Blackpool tickets, they're going on sale next week. Thankfully, the club has seen sense and not putting them on sale after the Charlton game, which is a bit, uh, bit of a worry when they said they were going to do that because they did that after the Swindon game, didn't they, for the Barrow tickets? Well, I think yeah. Like that, and everyone ended up leaving the game early to go and get their tickets. It was just ridiculous. So, mm. yeah, I, I'm kind of glad they haven't done that this time. Um, it's, uh, it's worth noting we only have an allocation of 1,997 and we're probably not going to get any more than that because Blackpool, basically half the stand doesn't have a safety certificate and they don't want to pay for it. So, essentially, what you get given is what you've got. <laughs> so, so, there you mm-hmm. go. A um, couple of other bits. Uh, kit assistant job's been advertised by the club. I think a assistant academy sports scientist as well has been advertised. So, they're just ramping up these roles, aren't they, at the club? And there's another mm. one, actually, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, really changing things around with the new owners coming in. And a uh, little bit of interesting news. Uh, we don't talk about the trophy much, but we, we've got to give this a special mention. Uh a new club record was set in the trophy game against Harrogate uh, last week. Uh, an attendance of 716 became our well lowest... Well done to each and every one of you that didn't attend. Yeah, lo- lowest <laughs> ever attendance for a first-team game at Burnham Park. Yeah, and you know, well, we sort of said that we'll touch on it maybe another time, the previous owners, but I, I do find it quite fitting that that's the final game of their stewardship. Yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree on that in terms of the fact that they ignored the fan opinion on that one. And there was a very clear fan opinion. Accept that you're going to have to play in it, but there's nothing to stop you voting against it and showing that at least you're backing what your fans say. But mm. 
they didn't listen, but there you go. Um, yeah, the previous record was against Hartlepool United in 1992, where 859 people turned up for a game. So it's quite... And compare problem. where the club was at in 1992 yeah. to where it's at now off the yeah. pitch. Yeah. That's absolutely. quite incredible. Absolutely. I mean, we played Accrington in the la- you know, in this round as well. I would have gone to that game probably if it wasn't for what's happened with it Scab. in terms of the things. No, if. I'm saying if <laughs> if there was no oh. Premier League team, didn't it? I would yeah. have gone to it. But I, mm. I haven't. I haven't been no. to one since Tranmere, I think it was me and you went to Tranmere, was it in... 2014? God, yeah, that was years ago. I think Brad Potts, yeah. Kyle Dempsey played for us. In yeah, that it was one. a penalty yeah. shootout. I think it's basically 10 years since we both mm. went to a trophy game, which mm. tells you what you need to know. Um, one little bit of news well before we do the takeover bit. I, I just wanted to give a little mention this. Um, the club uh, announced last week that uh, Andy Hall, the club's media officer, on off sort of part time and then full time for 20 odd years. Uh, has left the club. Um, he didn't want a big sing song about it. I think he, he wanted to go nice and quietly. He was quite happy that he's on his off to pastures new. But there was a there was a nice article on the club website. It was a really good article as well that uh, John Coleman did about um, his time working with the club. I mean, I know he came full time to the club about two thousand nine ish. I think it was. Um, yeah. And he, but he had been doing a lot of part time stuff back then. He was even doing post match interviews while he was in Northern Ireland. <laughs> you know, he's ringing up Simmer after games when he was on his uh, service out there. So, yeah, it just shows how dedicated he, he was to it. And, yeah, he's, he's done some... I mean, look, they've won so many awards with the programme and things like that over the years. And, obviously, I had the pleasure of working with Andy. And, actually, you know, I'd, I'd get to give a little shout-out to Andy and say thank you because he did give me an opportunity to work in sort of media and comms. And, obviously, I wouldn't be working in my job right now if it wasn't for him. So, you know, it's a, it's a new era. And, uh, you know, we wish Andy all the best in whatever he does next. And I'm sure he'll be back down Brunton Park fairly soon as well I'd imagine to watch some of the games when things are getting good and yeah definitely yeah. it's it's mad to think just how much the media output side of things has changed during his tenure yeah. you know it used to just sort of be a little website and now so much of it is online stuff and yeah I'm and like, he, he's been a part of that transition yeah. for years I mean I, mean, I, I, I think back to even like t- what, 12 years ago when I was working there the change even from then is astonishing. Yeah. The amount of stuff they have to put out, it, it's it's remarkable. So, so yeah, all the best to Andy. I know the club have advertised for a new head of uh, media and marketing, I think it is. So anyone who might be interested in that, give, give it a look. Uh, it should be a really interesting role going forward, obviously, with uh, all the big changes happening. So let's get on to it then, Mike. It's done. So uh, the takeover was complete, or announced as completed at about half three. Well, the quarter to four today, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, yeah. Half three, the club put out the little eyes emoji tweet, which got everybody very excited um a few minutes later there was a, a video of the piatics at home um nice little video they'd done saying as everyone signed everything and then it was announced breaking news and then then the the corner flag came out didn't it the the traditional statement and it's for once it's not for a good thing isn't it yeah well i think there's a lot of people who had uh carlisle's twitter set to notifications today and there was a few kind of i don't want to say pointless but uh more mundane tweets coming out from the club earlier that oh. people were getting excited when they heard the phone ping i mean you you were saying and i agree with you if i was working there i'd have been putting out as much mundane stuff as possible this morning <laughs> just to, just to wind people up because that's the kind of person i am but um yeah but yeah no it's it's it's, it's great it's, i mean like I said, your initial thoughts, Mike. What, what are your, what's your thoughts on, on the takeover and what's happened? Yeah, it's very, very positive. It's a new chapter. I think we kind of need to just look at the task in hand a bit this season and just stay up and then yeah. kind of look at the bigger picture and really, hopefully, fulfil our potential. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
we don't want to get too, too over excited. We're going to talk about some of the fans' uh, comments on it uh, shortly. Um, I've got we put a tweet out on the Bugle account, and um, we got some really good replies from people on that. I'm just trying to load them up now. Actually, <laughs> see what see what people have said. There's I've got lots of notifications in that. Uh, in fact, look, yeah, 13 different uh, comments we've had on it. So that's really good to see. We'll have a look in a sec. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's just it just feels like. Getting it done now before January is a big thing, really. Because if it had dragged to like the middle of January or something, that's when I'd start to panic, thinking we're not going to have time to actually get anyone quality in now. And mm. Simmer, I'm sure, has got his list together, and him and Greg have been working on it. And look, I'm sure they both admit that August, the work we did there, was just wasn't good enough. Mm. Now, potentially, you know, we're looking at going forward something really exciting, aren't we? But as well, we can start talking and putting bids in for players that are contracted yeah. at clubs. You know, they yeah. can't play for us until January 1st, but we can actually start getting the ball rolling with some of yeah. those players now. Have some initial discussions at the very least with the clubs mm. and say, look, we're interested in this player or whatever. And, you know, see how it goes. And even maybe some of those free transfer players who are unattached who are actually probably were at our price range a couple of weeks ago. Now mm. you're looking think, right, well, let's go back to them and see whether, you know, the ones who were keen, but maybe just we couldn't quite afford them. Let's mm. see whether they're interested in coming in. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Um, yeah, so obviously we we know the takeover is now done. The new owners are in. Um, a bit of work's already started down the ground, though, hasn't it, Mike? We've we've seen that a few photos emerging over the last few days. The piatic peeve tents. <laughs> yes, as Nick Brown christened them, didn't he? Wonderful yeah. stuff. So yeah, if anyone hasn't seen, there some some covers have been put up, um, retractable ones over the fan zone. So you know, it's, it's been one of those things that I think a lot of people have been asking for for a long time and realistically the club just didn't have the budget to do it well big tom has come in from day one and he's he's paid for it hasn't he and that that's a testament to the, the commitment because the takeover wasn't even done when they did that so yeah yeah just show, uh, and I, th- I, I think as well I've, I've said this before that the fan zone is now becoming part of everyone's pre-match routine a lot of us absolutely i've had the same routine for years you'll go to the beehive or you'll go downtown or whatever and now you know, I mean, we our, our our plan. You know, we still sort of go to town first, but we'll 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 get to the fan zone. You know, as yeah. as as soon as possible, really. And uh, it's just a great place to sort of catch up with everyone. People who you don't all um, sit or stand in the same part of the ground, but you know, you all get to sort of meet up in the fan zone and then go to your respective places in the ground and enjoy the game. Absolutely, and then. You're right. I mean, traditionally we go and have some food in town first, don't we? And then we walk mm. down. We we used to go to either the Beehive or we go to the Rugby Club. Maybe sometimes we even walk all the way down through the Lint and have a drink there. Very rare that we go in like the, the Sunset Suite or the Sporting Inn, would we? Really, but mm. like Murphy's Bar as it is now in Glassbar, just because they're a bit cramped and they're a bit stuffy, aren't they? They're not not really yeah. Enjoyable place like to have in a the drink. middle of winter when you've got about ten layers on, you go in there and it's uh, a bit hot right? and steamy. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, we would never really do that. But since the fan zone's open, it's, it's like you said, it's pretty much a tradition. Now, we still occasionally go to the rugby club, maybe occasionally. And after the game, you go to the beehive. But beforehand, we just go down there, don't we? And, and the great mm-hmm. thing is you're putting money back into the club as well by doing that. And the mm-hmm. quality of what you get there is really good. Absolutely cannot doubt that. You know, the beers are pretty decent. The food choices are great as well. You know, the, the kids all seem to love it. You've got you know, your sweet stalls, you've got your ice cream as well for them. And even in the middle of winter, I'd quite happen to have an ice cream sundae sometimes. You know, it's just mm. something different, isn't it? And yeah, it's definitely made a big difference. And I know I don't want to give away too much because I don't know if they've started 
doing anything on it yet, but I do know there's a couple of other things coming to the fan zone that could be quite good as well that uh, the fans should be certainly getting excited about. So um, well, hopefully some of those maybe will be in for the Charlton game at the weekend. But yeah, it, it, it looks looks fantastic. And, you know, having them down there as well, I'm sure they're going to get mobbed as soon as they get down there. But I mean, look, I've, I know people who have sort of been on-off fans for years and a few of them are messaging me saying like, oh, you know, you're going out the game in the weekend. And I've got friends who like are, are big fans who, who are exiles who live away and they're saying, oh, we're coming up for the game. Can't wait this weekend. Really looking forward to it. So it... it it's going to be it's going to be weird because we're in the bottom four, but it's going to be almost like a party atmosphere at the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I'm all, almost seeing... Um, I mean, this sounds negative because we went down that season, but John Courtney, when he came in. Yeah. Um, and just sort of... some. You know, we, are, we aren't in the best place on the table, but Summit's building off the pitch, yeah. and the, the fans... I've said before, the fans have been so behind the team this season. I, I was a bit concerned because last season we were winning a lot of games and I thought they're not going to win as many games and fans might turn, but the fans just haven't. We've just been behind the team every game and hopefully that loyalty is going to be getting rewarded now and going into the second half of the season. I think we've touched on it before. If we could do a, a little bit of what Gillingham did last season in League 2... Yeah. Where you know you don't have the best start to the season, you know, but second half of the season you almost hit promotion form. Ultimately, don't really finish anywhere on the table, but the season after is where you kind of get going, and hopefully that's that's what we can do. Yeah, that, that, that's what we want to see, isn't it? You know, look, you look in January. They brought Tom Nichols in, you know, a really good player at that level. They brought Ashley Madison in, who made a big difference to them. They added that extra bit of quality, and yeah, this season they started well and they've dropped off a little bit, but they're, you know they're still right up there, I think, aren't they? So. Yeah, I I feel like that's that's the way to look at it. And I think long term, and I've said this a few times, the Peterborough model is the way we should be looking at it, picking mm. off the best talent in the National League and um, and uh, League Two. And you know, and, and you know, we'll be on a slightly different market to people because we can look at the Northern clubs, whereas they'll look mainly you know on the London way and the Barnet, and we can still pick off a few players from there. Maybe I don't know, but mm. we can maybe start looking in the North because there's so many good young players in the Northeast with some of those yeah. non-league clubs. Looking at Gateshead, some of the players they've produced in recent years. Stop exactly, right and and it's not about spending half a mil, a million on a player. It's yeah. about having enough money to maybe spend a hundred grand on a player that could potentially be very good. He might flop, but it's about having the money to maybe take that risk. Yeah. Whereas before, and, we didn't have the money to do that. And then when one of those players does well and we sell him for two or three million, you then can reinvest half a million of that again this time, and you can actually go for that better quality play. You know that's that's the way. To, exactly, you know, it's not it's not a never ending thing where you end up you know getting ten twenty million. Whatever, it's just it's just the the steps there where you potentially could make a bit of money off it and and do it properly. And obviously, the training ground's the big thing that needs to be done, isn't it? You know they're already doing the little bits around the ground, which is really good to see. Cosmetically, it's looking really nice, isn't it? They're, mm. they're starting to fix a few little bits and pieces there, and we understand there's work going to be started on a proper toilet block for the Warwick Road end. Um, which I'm sure the purists won't be very happy about, but um, <laughs> I'm not happy because they're not sorting out the, the Paddock North toilets yet. You know that if you want to sort any out, put some lights in there and maybe some sinks or something, <laughs> so you can actually wash your hands after you've been in there. It's disgusting, but um, but yeah, it's it's just oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? It's just it's just exciting. And in fact, I, we did ask um, a few of some of our regulars and some newbies actually to to send in some sixty second reviews about the takeover. So. Uh, we'll start off with, should we have a newbie or do you want one of the, well, we're going to get one regular actually, so we'll start with regular, let's start with Greg's, here's Greg's review uh, of the news of the takeover. Hi Lee, I'm just pleased it's over the line, I'm absolutely buzzing, 
yeah, it feels like it's dragged on this last couple of weeks. I've had my Twitter notifications on and I've had the Castle Sports Group notifications on and I'm just so delighted it's over the line and in time for Saturday. Um, what will happen now? Who knows? Um, they've said there'll be a step up in the expenditure at the club, so hopefully um, that'll help the wage bill a little bit. Um, it feels for years like we've always had less money than everyone else, so I'm not saying we're going to be the richest team in the league, but it's just nice to have the chance to be able to compete, so I can't wait. I'm really excited about what the future's going to hold, and uh, up the blues! There you go. Can always trust Greg to give us a good review, can't we? Um, it's an interesting point, that, you know, the fact that you mentioned the fact, you know, we're not going to be super rich, but we've always felt like we've got a lot less. It's getting to a level, level playing field with some of these clubs, isn't it, really? You know, with your, it sounds ridiculous, with your Fleetwoods of the world and some of the, you know, the some middling clubs who are clearly got someone who's backing them and able to cover losses and things like that, getting to a point where we can actually match those teams and maybe get slightly ahead of them and start challenging a bit higher? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we saw the last time we were in this league that we we punt, we held our own against Sheffield United, Notts Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. Leeds, you know, without that kind of budget that could compete. And I'm not saying that we'd necessarily have the same budget as those sorts of teams, but with the right backing, you know, we can go far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, uh, we, let's do Claire. So Claire Winder sent us in one. Um, this is her first time caller sending in her review for the takeover. Hello, it's Claire. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm absolutely beyond excited um, for this afternoon's news. It's a new era for us and I believe in the vision the Piotax have for our growth and potential. They showed us at the QWAS meeting choosing Carlisle United was a savvy business decision. Their passion, excitement and transparency has been welcomed before today's news. They've shown us that they are approachable and want us to be involved. Now is the time for us all to get back down to Brunton Park on Saturday to celebrate the news and to get behind Simo and the team to ensure we stay up this season. Bye! There you go. Straight to the point there. Thank you very much, Claire. Yeah, absolutely agree with everything she said there. Uh, and then quickly, one more before we go through some of the tweets. We had some very funny ones there. Uh, this one uh, is from Dave Noble. He sent us in one as well. Hi, this is Dave, and this is my 60-second review of something that I never imagined would happen uh, when I got involved with Kiosk around 14 months ago. I was certainly Simon sceptical when we first met as to if any of it was likely to really lead anywhere. But from our very early meeting with uh, initially the two Toms, they came across as just damn nice, genuine people. Uh, their knowledge of the English game wasn't just from watching Welcome to Wrexham or Ted Lasso. Uh, they genuinely seemed to have an incredible understanding and knowledge of not just Cali United, but um, EFL level football um, in general. Every time we uh, we met, um, you honestly came away thinking this is all too good to be true. The, the positivity was incredible. We kept waiting for, for red flags to show themselves, but along the way, they, they never really did at all. Um, going forward, no one's obviously expecting a smooth ride. This is Carl United after all, but I think it um, definitely gives us a realistic and, and sensible opportunity to, to keep the club moving forward. And it's going to be incredibly exciting to see where it goes next. Uh, Saturday should be a great day, although um, according to John Coleman we don't tend to do so well apparently on the, the new owners' first games, but um, that's because they've often been taken over in, when we're in real dire straits, but this time hopefully um, the result of the match uh, will match the occasion, but whatever happens on Saturday I, I think the future is, is pretty bright. Up the blues. 
Well, thanks for that, Dave. Yes, obviously, Dave's involved with Kiosk, and it's, it's nice to get a little bit of insight from him then. It goes to show, you know, they've been involved from the very start. I'd actually want to give them a bit of credit, really, for what they've done, because I think they get a bit of stick from fans. And, yeah, rightly in the past, they probably have. But, you know, both the you know the the new and the old people who've been there for years involved in Kiosk have, have done a, a really good job of getting this over the line, haven't they, over the last uh, nine months? Yeah, they've done quite a lot with it as well by all accounts they've been involved throughout um which has been great to see and you know it is a new trust now and i remember matt spooner said at the meeting that although this trust technically has a smaller stake in the club now they think fat fans and members of the trust have a bigger say than they've had in years so get involved I mean, what they've got nearly twelve hundred members now. I think they'll probably be close to getting over that now. I'd imagine, and yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend any more to fans to, to get involved in it because it's going to be an exciting time, and there's going to be benefits from being part of the trust, and they're going to be heavily involved in taking the club forward. So, so definitely get involved in there. Um, right, let's have a look at the tweets we got then, Mike, uh, in response to uh, the tweet I put out earlier, saying that me and you were going to be recording. Um, I mean, first off, we've got to start with Nick Brown, one of our regular six-second reviewers. He, I asked him for a six-second review of the takeover, and he said he had to go out on a run because he was too overexcited. He had to burn <laughs> off a bit of uh, excited energy uh, before he um, before uh, he could do that. So he hasn't been able to do one for us. But he did tweet us to say, "On the peeve for Tom and Patty's pie." Sorry, on the peeve for Tom and Pat. Pat, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> right, that's a tongue twister. Thank you very much for this one, Nick. On the P for Tom and Patty Piatics Blues. So there you go. I, I, I wonder if they've learned what the word peeve means yet. Surely. <laughs> Maybe, because we're going to get them on. We're hoping to get them on the pod. They, 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 I spoke to Tom, as I mentioned, uh, before the Cambridge game, and he said he was up for coming on and speaking to us. So we're going to get him on. Maybe what we'll do is we'll get you guys to suggest your favourite Cumbrian words and we'll explain them to them so they, <laughs> so they have an understanding. So as long as they're... they're um, at the very least a uh, pg <laughs> level of words we've got to be careful with some of them but um but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll explain some of the uh, cumbrian dialect to them because there's some belting words they can learn in there but yeah on the peeve peeves drink if you're if you're listening uh tom i know that tom too does listen definitely and if you're wondering if someone says get on the peeve that means get on the drinks get on drinking have a drink so there you go uh matt spooner you mentioned there uh mike he says larger bovril cups the important <laughs> questions he wants solved doesn't he and um, there's a few replies these days i'm gonna have a little look at those to see what anyone said uh martin horn uh he was obviously involved in the trust in the past as well he, he, he's a great guy as mine he said when is the rugby club lane getting gold plated um <laughs> which i suggested I, th- I think they should build a travel aid in there what do you reckon yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it might be a bit treacherous after a few beers uh, getting off, but yeah, let's let's roll with it. Could do like some sort of half pipe in there, couldn't you? So you could sink, skate down there, maybe a solution. <laughs> you imagine how many ankles would be broken going on there, but there you go. Yeah. Um, although Niall Mattinson did say, I'd just take lids that actually fit on the cup without the risk of scalding hot bovelet going everywhere. It's, yeah, I, I think... The, the club do know that, to be fair, that there's issues with that sort of thing. So uh, so there you go. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Dave Noble, who spoke to us before, he said, more variety of soup. Um, anyone who's not quite clicking onto what these things are about, these are little harkbacks to when we used to have fans forums back in the day when we had serious issues off the pitch and things like that. Some of the questions that used to get asked were <laughs> utterly ridiculous, weren't they, Mike? I remember like after the Courtney takeover, I think the first question that was asked... You know, so many things, like where's the club going, how has the debt been solved, all this. And the first question was, when's the club shop going to sell the away shorts in a kid's medium? 
that was followed by when are you going to tarmac the path to the rugby club yeah. which the club every single time says we don't own that land so we can't um, yeah. and then the question obviously as Dave notes there someone asking why can't you get different soups on sale for matches but I mean god I wonder what that person thinks now with what you get in the fan zone you ask that question you must blow their mind the amount yeah. of food you can get oh they're probably annoyed that they don't really do any soups there aren't they I guess <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Hall, um, he's said, haven't ever been so excited about the potential for this club, this manager, this group of owners, and I'm old enough to remember 1974. Wow. So you get it's as excited as it was in 1974. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, just want us fans to keep our feet on the ground, trust in Simo's vision, and give the Piatics time to invest sustainably for the future. 100% agree on that, yeah. Jonathan. I, I think we've, whatever happens this season, you know, there's still no guarantee we'll stay up. I kind of no. hope. I think we've got a really good chance of it now. But there's mm. no guarantee. Even if we did go down, I think we just got to stick with Simo. He's mm. got the vision, and he's he's the man who can get the fans really behind him. You know, let's let's be try and be sensible. Whatever happens, but yeah, fingers crossed that won't be an issue anyway, and we'll stay up, and it'll be no problem. So there you go. Um, Matt Elliott, he says, just fantastic, just fantastic to get it over the line. Thanks to Andrew Jenkins, but we now look forward. Aside from the quick wins, let's tie Gibbo and Moxon down, then get started on the preparations for January. Interesting one about contracts there. Your thoughts on that? I mean, he's mentioned Gibson and Moxon. I think Gibson's an obvious one, isn't he? Moxon, I think, is still going to be a challenge. I still think he might fancy a crack at the championship, possibly. Mm. But any any others you potentially be looking at in that sense? Well, I think them two would certainly be sort of a, an early statement um, yeah. to get them signed up. Um if Moxon's fancying the championship, I don't want to sound too harsh here, but I'm not sure his performances this season, no. if championship no. clubs are watching, would be interested. But I think, to me, I mean, we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, I think he needs the contract sorted out to yeah. sort of improve his game, I think. He, he needs. Yeah. He doesn't need the distraction anymore. And yeah, if we could get them two signed up, um, there's not many others that I would be desperate to sign up yeah. as sort of a, an early statement of intent, yeah. really. I think the rest nah. would do it nearer the end of the season like we normally do. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's many others, really. They're the only two that really stand out. Maybe at a push, if you look at a younger player, someone like a Jack Ellis, maybe tied on for another year, so he's here for a bit longer, gives him time to develop. But that's not like a statement one in that sense, is it? I think mm. Mellish is tied down long-term, so he's armour, aren't they? So yeah. they're the only the two, and that's fine. But, um, but yeah, no, that, some really good points there from Matt, I've got to say, in terms of that sort of stuff. Um, Paul Bradley says, followed the Blues all over in my younger days, got a season ticket this season and looking forward to Saturday. Let's have an atmosphere like Bradford to help get those three points. Absolutely. The, the Waterworks end is open this Saturday as well, isn't it? So mm. I, I, was, I was half tempted to switch our tickets today, you know, because I've never been in the Waterworks end. Mm. I was like, oh, I should have it. I might save it for another game later in the season. If What's the weather forecast like? Oh, good point. I actually didn't even look at that. So let's 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 <laughs> let's, let's let's leave that for this weekend, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Stalker, um, he replies saying the feeling go through my body is similar to what it was at this moment, and he posted up a video of Taylor Charters's penalty going into the back of the net and him celebrating in the crowd. Just fat. I just I still buzz off saying that even now. Mm. There you go. Um, Craig Bright uh, replies with crash. I'm assuming that's one of the things he wants sorted. He wants a crash sorted. So I guess that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, for, for parents who want to bring kids, you know, maybe you know, might be single parents who come to games who you know who can't actually 
get into the match because they can't really take the kid in and want to leave them somewhere. Mm. somewhere. It's, it's I don't know what other clubs do in terms of that. So that's an interesting one. Def, Craig, I would recommend sending that to the club and make it as a suggestion because it may be something they can potentially look at in the future. Um, uh, I'll, I'll leave the next one to last because it's an interesting one from Neil Rutherford. Uh, Paul Whedon wants root beer on sale at the ground. Root, I do like a good root beer, to be fair. It's not a bad suggestion. Uh, Thomas Pearson just says, up the blues, hashtag own the north. You know, so it's, oh, I mean, that's going to be the big thing now, isn't it, uh, from a lot of our fans. Um, Luke Wilmot has replied with a gif of the fight and win guy from, uh, is it, was it Portland Timbers he's a fan of or someone like that, I think it is. Uh, Seattle Sounders, it was. Seattle Sounders, that's the one. I knew it was one of the ones. Because the, at that point, north. I adopted Portland Timbers as my uh, MLS team because they're their rivals. I was like, <laughs> oh, yes. Who, that's whoever the this team hates, I want to support. So. Fight and win. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so there's that one. Craig, who's Craggles underscore 33 on um, Twitter, has put a lot of asterisks, which I'm presuming is supposed to represent swear words. I can't work out which ones they are because I can't count the numbers. But it says, star, star, I think star, it's, star. I think it's one of our regular 60-second reviewers' catchphrases. Oh, um, yes, that makes sense. Yes, so it'll be... It'll be well, shag is shag, Blues, shag is shag. <laughs> and that's, I presume that's what he's uh, he's saying anyway. But well well worked out, Mike. I, I was trying to work on what it was. I was like, oh, it's interesting. What, what could it be? Well, there you go. Uh, and Neil Rutherford, I'm going to leave till last. And, and it, you know, this might sound a bit negative when I put this one last, but I think it, it, it's a fair point. You know, we've got to be keep our feet on the ground here. He says, Neil says, don't want to sound negative, but we do need to remember the reality. We are in a relegation battle and people are commenting about the Premier League. I don't think that many people are commenting about the Premier League, to be fair. I mean, there's, a, there's an odd one who's just, you know, it's a joke almost saying it, but I don't think most are actually saying that. I think most are realistic. And he said, remember, Michael, that in 10 years and we've been the Premiership, really positive, but let's not carry, get carried away. Which is, you know, that's fair enough. You know, there's, there's differing views out there, isn't there, on these kind of things. So, um, so there you go. You got a bit of a nasty reply from someone, that, but I think it was a, a fair enough comment. That, but there you go. Yeah, I think before we can be looking really at the long term, we need to just look at the short term and stand in League One, really. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick refresh to check. No one else has commented since then. I think that's it. Yeah, fantastic stuff, isn't it? It just, it just, everything about it just feels very exciting, doesn't it? And ah, this weekend's game, I can't wait now. I'm genuinely really excited about the game and mm. going to be driving up this weekend. Uh, Craig from Runcon's driving us up, so uh, I'll be able to have a couple of drinks. And yes, if you're out on the fan zone, come and find me because I'd love to get a few comments from people that we can use on the pod next week. Because um, if we don't have a game against. Um, Barnes here that weekend, the FA Cup weekend. We'll, we'll look at doing some other bits. We have got a Reading preview to do as well next week, actually. I keep forgetting about that on Sunday, so we'll sort that out the weekend. But um, but yeah, there you go. So that, that's that's the takeover bit covered for now. I think we'll do a bit more in-depth on that in the next uh, couple of weeks, but lots to talk about, lots to get excited about in terms of all that stuff. Now let's briefly run through the Bristol Rovers game, Mike. There's not going to be much to cover on this one. Um, Carl United nil, Bristol Rovers one. Oh, just... Uh, Another 1-0 defeat this season. It's just it's a really bad habit we're slipping into. We're not getting battered, but we're just not able to get... When we go behind in a game like this, teams are shut up against us and we just don't know what to do. Yeah, and I mean, we'll touch on it a bit more later, but it was another sweaty goal to concede. It was just... Yeah, it was just, it was just typical of our season, to be honest, I think. And we're getting to the point where some of the post-match reviews we could do before the game, to be honest, because yeah. it's it's such a recurring theme, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely predictable, isn't it? It's, it's frustrating. Um, 
Yeah, so for this one, quite a few changes to the squad, wasn't there, in terms of this one? Yeah, similar mm. to bring some changes. Some enforced, some not enforced. So Jack Armour returned after his suspension and replaced Jack Robinson. Paul Huntington made his first appearance after his injury layoff, um, coming into defence. Uh, Dylan McGeoch made his uh, full league debut in place of the injured Callum Guy. And Luke Plange was brought in in place of uh, Sean Maguire. So rang out the changes to this one. Um, ben Barkley filling in at right back once again uh, for this game. Um I've not even really written down much in terms of the chances, Mike, because there's not a huge amount to write about in this game, mm. was there really? There was, no. We didn't really cut them open on many occasions. There was there was some nice play by Plange down the left on a couple of occasions to get a couple of balls in the box, but they were kind of floaty in balls that no one was ever really going to challenge for. Mm. And then when their goal came, it was one of the few occasions in the game, actually, where a team got in behind and got into the box. To be fair, actually, we did do that a couple of times early on because John Mellish started the game in midfield. We should know. Um, and he actually looked really good in the number 10 role. He was actually using the ball really well. He was bursting forward. He was causing problems getting into the box. And then Paul Huntington pulled up after, mm. what, half an hour or so? And he was like, oh, this is just sod's law. You, you, could, you could just see it coming. You know, when, when something happens, you're like, this is just sums up our season, really, when he, when he has to go off. And, um, yeah, the goal. Let's talk about that then. You said it was a very sweaty goal. I think that's under, underselling it a little bit there. Mm. Um Think of John Mellish's own goal at Wembley, but even sweatier than that. Mm. So, Jack Hunt, it was they did actually quite well down the right um, Bristol Rovers in the build. It was, a, it was a good little move, to be fair. It was a good move, but as well as he played going forward, Luke Plange did not track his man on this goal very well True. at all. But th- this is, th- this sums up our season because the other week, week against Leighton Orient, one of their wingers didn't track back, and then while we were on the attack, and then they broke gave the ball to that winger that didn't track back and they scored. Yeah. And then one of our men doesn't track back and we concede. You know, yeah. it's just the way it is this season. Yeah, just we just can't... You know, good quality play gets you luck as much as anything, but we just can't mm. find that luck right now, can we? Um, but yeah, so Hunt gets into the box. He hits a low ball and it, and it, it almost clips off the underside of Lavelle's boot, doesn't it? Mm. And it loops up with so much spin. Now, for where we were in the paddock, we thought, oh, that's gone over the bar for a corner and it for some reason it just span and died and, and it pretty much clips the corner of post and bar and goes in doesn't it yeah Holy there's God, nothing holy can do about that no nothing no, at you, all it's you just look and you think oh come on that's just ridiculous isn't it so yeah. I mean, that sums it up and bar that the only other chance bristol rose really had was one late on when they're on the break and holy made a decent save to, to palm it away bar that i think they only one other shot on target which wasn't from what i can't even remember what it was to me it's that which sums up how poor it must have been but they didn't really threaten that much but they didn't have to and that's the problem mm. isn't it mm. yeah exactly and we've seen that a lot this season and I think teams know as well that our attacking threat they don't have to dig deep and defend that mm. well against us really uh, you know or it's not like you know they know once they get a goal it's relatively cushy. No, you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, into the second half. Um, and yeah, obviously, Huntington went off and Maguire had to replace him, um, which meant a change round, which dropped Mellish back into defence. And that actually really affected us because Mellish was causing problems in the way he was able to get forward mm. and, and get about. And Maguire did okay. Maguire didn't really have the impact he has had in other games, did he? He couldn't really get into the game in this one, sadly. Mm. Um and, well, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm thinking with with Maguire that 
when he first came in, he was making very clever runs that like other people weren't quite seeing, and like you could see that. Oh, once people start seeing them runs, we're going to be onto something. But I feel like he stopped doing them runs because people weren't seeing them. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, red card for them in the second half on 78 minutes. This came 10 minutes after Terry Blade was brought on. And it was just a, it was almost like a nothing sort of punt forward from Barkley. It wasn't over the top. Caught the defence out. And Blade was right onto it, sharp as yeah. a, a knife. And the lad, I mean, it's a blatant pullback, isn't it? I don't, yeah. There wasn't any argument on the red card. I mean, the, the assistant on the paddock side, despite being in line with it and seeing it, did not actually give it. Mm. I was stood pretty much in line with it. I'd moved down to that end of the paddock for the second half just for a little bit of a change of the view. And we were straight around like, he's pulled him back, he's pulled him back, it's a red card. And he was going to get to that, but it wasn't one of those ones like, oh, he might get to the ball. He was getting to that ball and he was getting yeah. it on the keeper, basically, if he, if he got to it. And the assistant didn't give it for some reason. And I, I'm not even sure the referee actually was going to yeah, give it. Yeah, it might have been I, the fourth official or something. I think the fourth official had a, must have had a clear view and could see the pull and said he's pulled him back there on the on you know on the earpieces that were. As a result, he's given the straight red card. No real argument of it. But at that point, you were like, right, that, that that's really good because we've showed a blade down the middle could cause problems with his pace with a mm. quick ball over the top. Problem is, at that point, Bristol Rare is down to 10 men. Right, let's just sit in. Let's yeah. not give them any space behind. And it just completely, in a weird way, it was actually worse for us. It nullified the threat of, of Abade, really, mm. in terms of he couldn't get in behind. Mm. We had to move him out wide at one point when Edmondson came on. And by then, you know, he just couldn't get into the game again. And Edmondson couldn't really get into the game much. And it just it just never really worked from that point onwards, did it really? And Butterworth again came on. Couldn't, Butterworth came on from McGeek and McGeek got man of the match. And I think quite rightly, he really controlled the game and I was really impressed with him. But he couldn't really get into the game. Once we took him off, we weren't in the game at all. We mm. couldn't keep hold of the ball in the same way we had them when he was on the pitch, mm. which is frustrating. So, um, yeah, it sort of played out from that point. We had a few chances, there were sort of half chances, but their keeping never really was that threatened. And it ends in 1 0 defeat. And interestingly, no real reaction at the game, no like booze or anything at the end. I think people are kind of accepting the moment. You know, we've just got to get through to this takeover done, get ourselves mm. to January and get reinforcements in. And that's, I suppose, a positive to take from the day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I touched on it before that no one's getting on the players' backs so much, but I think the players' heads are dropping a little bit. Yeah, um, they, they need, they need, like, a, a, a couple of wins in a row, really. In a weird way, we could have done with a non-league team in the FA Cup that we could have battered like four or five, like a lower a lower level yeah. than at home, just to give ourselves a bit of confidence. Because you've seen like you know, like some Bristol Rovers and a couple of other clubs have done that, haven't they? Mm. And it would have really helped us, I think, being able to do that. But we haven't had that chance. Um, in terms of other talking points from, from the game, Mike, um, Huntington pulling up, that's just a frustration, isn't it? Yeah. Especially that. And then obviously then we find out Taylor Charles has pulled his other hamstring as well, which is out for another five weeks, possibly. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Huntington as well is that we don't have a lot of numbers in central midfield and obviously being able to put Mellish into midfield mm. helps with that. But then having to put Mellish back into centre-back, yeah. again, it, it, it sort of impacts our numbers in midfield more than it does centre-back, weirdly. Yeah, and obviously where Ellis, uh, Ellis trying to work his way back as well to fitness is, mm. is another one. So it's, yeah, it's not ideal at the moment. Obviously, Jaden Harris is out on loan, so we can't even use him at the moment. And I might, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually ended up getting recalled soon because we're probably going to need the numbers <laughs> soon mm. enough as much as anything to fill the bench, which is frustrating because he'd be better he's out there and getting game time. But but there you go. Um, anything else to put, pick from this game? The only other thing I can see is that 
10 corners to the zero that they had. And they looked a bit more threatening than they did in recent games, but even still, we're still not quite there with them. No, exactly. And it's not even like we're having corners cleared off the line or anything or hitting mm. the post. We're not really getting close to scoring off them. Yeah, it, it, it's frustrating, isn't it? But there you go. Mm. Um, nothing else to really cover on that one, isn't there? I think we'll just leave no. it at that. Yeah. We're far too excited about this weekend's game. So let's let's take a short break and we'll be back to look ahead to this weekend's game against Charlton Athletic. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, we're back on the Brunton Bugle, as uh, good old Simo said there. Um, looking ahead to this weekend's game. First up, behind enemy lines, as usual, um, we've managed to get one on the, we've, we've I think we've had a couple actually recently where we haven't been able to get someone, so we've managed to get one uh, from the Charlton Live podcast. Um, it's uh, Louis Mendes. A uh, big thank you to Louis. He's got in contact with me to go on theirs as well. I'm going on that on Thursday night. By the time you listen to this, I'll be on it, so you'll probably be able to find it somewhere. But this has been recorded after me and you record, Mike, so we can't discuss what he said. And it's getting dropped in. It's, sometimes that's just the way it works out in terms of when we're able to record. But... Um, but yeah, well, intending to talk about, imagine the fact that being a Charlton fan is just never boring. You know, they, they just seem to go from one crisis to another, don't they, in terms mm. of off the pitch. Um, big expectations this season, they had a slow start. Um, we're going to talk about how they've recovered since then in terms of the change in manager. And uh, a bit about their memories of past trips to, to Carlisle, because I think they've managed to get promoted at Brunton Park at least twice, possibly three times. So I think it's a quite happy hunting ground for them, as we'll, we'll find out shortly. But yeah, here's the chat I had with Louis. So yes, we're back with the latest Behind Enemy Lines section. And this week we're talking to Louis Mendes, host of the Charlton Live podcast, to get a bit of background on our opponents this weekend in what's going to be quite a big exciting game for us in terms of the big crowd after the the takeover being completed but um louis i, I mean you guys know plenty about takeovers in, especially in recent years I, 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 this opening question is a bit of a long one but i think it, it, it's worth sort of going through it it's probably fair to say that being a charlton fan is not a boring experience at all is it i mean i i think sometimes it goes a little bit underrated how much your fans have been through in the last like 40 years. I mean, going back to being exiled from the, the Valley for, for years and it falling into disrepair, returning to the Valley and rebuilding the ground, getting yourselves into the Premier League in dramatic circumstances in the playoffs and, you know, staying up there, potentially pushing for Europe at one point, um, only to then come back down into the championship and then sort of bounce between League One and the championship a little bit. And as I mentioned, the ongoing ownership sagas that you've had, especially with the, the Belgian fellow's name, I, I forget, and I'm sure you probably would rather forget. Um, can you sort of briefly sum up, I know I've, I've given you a challenge there, what it's actually been like during that time? Yeah, Roland du Chatelet is the, the one you forgot. Yes, oh, I'll start, start off with the easy answer. Um, yeah, it, it's been a bit of a chaotic ride. Um, obviously, yeah, you, you, you reference what, what happened back in the late 80s and, and the 90s in, when, when Charlton left the Valley, which was Obviously, it's slightly before my time, but um, you know, we came we came back. There was some um, massive sort of fan fan led um, sort of programs to, to get us back. Uh, people actually played uh, played a part in local politics to to get Charlton to play back back at the Valley. But that is that is a very long story. Um, yeah, we we enjoyed the glory years. You know, when I was first starting going down, we 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 got promoted to the Premier League. Not within the first five years or so that I was supporting the club. Um, stayed up there for a good long time. Obviously, it all went horribly wrong. Unfortunately, after a while, we um, 
uh, we, we, we eventually, uh, Alan Kerbisi left. He was the only manager I knew for the first 15 years or so of my time oh. supporting the club. Uh, and then, yeah, since then, it, it's just been a, a story of decline, unfortunately. You know, slightly punctuated by, by the odd promotion season here and there, most most of which seems to take place at Brunton Park, funny enough. We yeah. haven't, we, we, we've been promoted at your ground three times, twice uh, that, in the 80s one... and once in 2012. You've jumped ahead to one of my later questions there, but you kept the carry on going. Yeah, so yeah, so we do have good memories of coming to your place. But yeah, so the thing I found really interesting about your takeover over the last the, the last couple of days is obviously we, we that's been something we've been through quite a lot. Um, so our current ownership group, I think, is maybe the fifth we've had in about a decade. Wow. Um, so yeah, and we, we, we sort of know... I've sort of seen the way your fans have been reacting to your to your takeover. I've seen it play out quite a few times with Charlton fans to, to the extent that when the latest ones happened, no one's actually got that excited about it purely because they've been burnt so many times. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, that obviously for Carlisle fans, they've gone into it with an open mind and, and you have to hope that, that things play out the right way. But we've, we've gone into a lot of ownerships with that accepts that exact same point of view thinking, yeah, you know, they've, they've talked a good game. Let, let's see what happens. Um, so hopefully you guys won't find out the hard way like we did and, and, you know, broken promises and, and whatnot seem to be the, the path of the course with us. And, and hopefully you'll have a, a more successful ownership who understands like the, 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 the trials and tribulations of owning a, a club in league one, you know, and, it won't all be all talk, but obviously you you'll see how that plays out over the next few years. Yeah. But for us, it's, it's been it's, it's been a long ride. You know, we had Duchatelet that ended up with protests on the pitch. Eventually, he left, but at the same time as leaving, he separated ownership of the of the ground from the football club, so he still owns yeah. our, our ground. Uh, whilst doing that, he sold our club to some some very dodgy individuals, and there was more money leaving the building than there was coming into it. To put it kindly, and, and money spent on things that were not for the benefit of the club, but more for the benefit of the people uh, involved with spending that money on themselves, flats, cars, that sort of stuff. Big money men who didn't have any money. There was all sorts that went on. They, they were replaced by two who were effectively the same. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> Thomas Sangard came in and, and to an extent, you know, people see it as he, as he, he rescued us somewhat from, from, the, from, from the slightly more dodgy elements of ownership that we've had, but he was more just thought he could do what what he wanted to achieve at the club a lot easier than than it turned out to be and and I think after the first couple of years when when he was you know spending on transfer fees he realised it wasn't as easy as just buying a couple of players and that would be that and yeah. then he spoke about turning off the taps and wanting to to get out really and that's what's happened and now we've ended up with with the next lot who you know again will yeah we have sort of American backers but sort of being fronted in in the UK by a lot of the people who were involved at Sunderland during the Sunderland Till I Die documentary oh, yeah. who weren't weren't massively popular with the Sunderland fans so now we're we're in the process of seeing what they're going to be all about um which we're still waiting to find out whether whether they'll be the right people to get us promoted which obviously is early days yet and and we're still waiting to see an indication that they are or aren't I mean, how many owners did you say you'd had in the last however many years was it there? So I think I think it's five <laughs> in the last decade or so because you've got start off with Du Chatelet who took over two thousand and eleven no no later than that maybe two thousand and thirteen I think um, got us uh, yeah he, he took hold of us when we were in the championship obviously we ended up getting relegated mm. under him he was still there but very much in the background by the time he got promoted again under Lee Bowyer. 
So he'd sort yeah. of lost all interest, wasn't trying to meddle with team selection anymore. Uh, just left Bo to get on with it, which actually worked out quite well because Bo and, and he's sort of, uh, I think, I can't remember if he was director of football or just head of recruitment at the time, Steve Gallen actually put together a squad that's got us up. Mm. Although then we were operating in the championship with a very small budget, which took us down. And halfway through that season, we were taken over by the, like, like I say, the slightly yeah. um, dodgy characters. And so that our January transfer window w- was a nothing one. We ended up going down and we've been stuck down here for a while now. Obviously, this is our, this is our fourth season in a row in League One, which is actually the longest we've ever been down here bar the 1920s when we first came oh. into the third tier from not being in the football league <laughs> when I think we spent maybe eight years so I mean my argument is this is the, the lowest it's ever been on the pitch for the club because this is the longest we've been back in the third tier for uh you know since since getting out of it the first time obviously we've already spoken about lower times off the field for the club where we, we ended up leaving the valley and that but yeah it's it's been a bit of a a, a difficult few years on on the field of play and you know, we're hoping there's going to be steps in the right direction. I'm the only step in the right direction for Charlton at League One is promotion. So I'm yeah. not convinced it's going to happen this season either. But yeah, we're hoping. We're hoping, as we've hoped a few times before, that we've bottomed out and maybe at some point in the near future we'll, we'll rise again. But like I say, I remain to be convinced by by that at this moment in time. I mean, that five owners in a decade. I'm thinking about that. We've had the same owners for the last 15 years, and actually in the just about 30 years that I've been following Carlisle. We've had four different owners, I think, at the top of my head. Up until yesterday, obviously, we've got the fifth ones arrived in, in terms of the new owners here. So it, it goes to show, you know, some sometimes a little bit of stability is not necessarily a bad thing, but there you go. Oh, massive, massively, yeah. massively. Yeah. That's what we've been missing over the last few years and a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, since coming down to back down to League One was it in twenty twenty, I think it was, you've you've struggled really to to push for that playoff place, haven't you? I mean I looked at your summer editions though, and I thought maybe you put yourself into actually quite a good position to do that. I think actually we do a pre-season preview pod every season. We'd look at every team in the division, work out we predict who's going to be promoted and relegated and that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure all three of us as the main hosts put Charlton in the playoffs. So yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a, a tough start for you guys there, wasn't it? It didn't really quite hit the ground running. Yeah, so you, you're not alone in having said that about about Charlton being mm. promotion hopefuls. You know, I think pretty much every every pod I've done so far this season for the League One sides has said similar. Um, you know, not the top 20, who obviously guys know, know a lot about this level, yeah. said similar. And I, I, I think it was a fair assumption to make when you look to our early transfer windows so you know Alfie May has, has proven to be the sign and everyone yeah. expected has been fantastic uh, and then people sort of look at the caliber of the sort of players we're bringing in like Pan Kamara who obviously has has performed at this level before but maybe us as a club and and, and people sort of evaluating what we're going to be like this season we're probably not really looking at his injury record recently and, and seeing how much of a, a gamble mm. that's proven to be for us because he's effectively not played and he's out injured for a long time uh, unfortunately at the moment um you know a lot of Charlton fans at the start of the window were feeling confident because of those signings but it took forever to back it up um you know I think we went maybe two or three weeks in, in the build-up to the actual first day of the season without signing anyone and we're like we're short here we started with couple of 18 year olds you know in in the starting 11 for the first few weeks um we didn't massively improve on our area of the pitch where we've struggled this season which is defensively we've been you know we've been poor for the for the last few years unfortunately and we were just speaking on our show about about Sam Lavelle who 
uh, I'm glad to hear that he's sort of settled in a bit better up north because he's he's a lovely chap and that and you know always played with his heart on his sleeve and all that. But he was just way below the the level that we needed at Charlton. Um, and I've, I'm not convinced we've massively improved there. We've brought Lloyd Jones in from Cambridge, who's looked a bit a bit livelier at the back. But you know we've had some defenders who we had last season in a poor defensive lineup who who have had their mistakes at times this season. And and as I said, we've conceded more goals than you have. And obviously you're in the in the relegation zone. So yeah, overall I was I was looking at the the business we did towards the end of the window. There was a lot of young players or Premier League loanies, that sort of stuff, which which, which again look, look look like gambles and, and Michael Appleton since he took over from Dean Holden, the, the very first thing he said and he's reiterated the entire time he's been with us, even when we've had a good run under him, is that he needs to get to January and change the profile of the squad. Um, whether yeah. that means the the quality or perhaps the levels of experience in the side, you know, he he's been realistic about it, and I think yeah, I think that's good. But also ask questions about well, obviously the, the new ownership played a a reasonable part in putting that profile of the squad together. Um, they knew they were coming into the club for about six months. We even had some of them in place in in January, so obviously they weren't they weren't there for that entire time. But they sort of knew roughly what was going to happen and. Um, you know the fact that their their next manager's come in and says not necessarily we need to rip it up and start again, but certainly there's a lot of work to do on this squad shows that it hasn't yeah. certainly hasn't been the overnight success if anyone was hoping for that, which obviously it doesn't always happen, but I kind of hoped it would because we've seen teams do it. We've seen teams do it in League One, including ourselves back in 2012. We went from a a nothing team to one that that turned it around really really quickly, but. Yeah, if we are hoping that we've put stepping stones in the right direction, there's obviously still a, a bit of a way to go in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the team managers there you've had this season. So, I mean, it's sort of a double question here, really. Dean Holden, what went wrong? And Michael Appleton, uh, Appleton sorry, um, initial thoughts on him? Because he seems to do quite well at a few clubs. Other clubs he struggled a bit, but he, he's got an okay record by the looks of things. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, f- firstly with Dean, obviously... Um, like our last few seasons of League One have all been pretty similar in terms of we start off badly, change manager, they come mm-hmm. in, get a reaction, uh, and we certainly saw that from Dean. Like, there's no way we should have been as low down in the table as we were under Ben Garner. We tried to play a brand of football that we just couldn't quite fully get to grips with, I think. And like I say, defensively, yeah. we weren't we weren't very sharp, unfortunately. Dean came in, got a bit of a reaction from them. Uh, he's that sort of boss, but you know the <clears throat> the defensive concerns that were percolating throughout our season for pretty much the entirety of last year. He still w- were there this year. You know, there, there were elements of, of like character, the character of the squad a bit last year as well. And we, and we got rid of a few of the players that I was certainly questioning on that last year. Um, but, but this year, you know, you have to remember as well that, my, uh, that Dean didn't have access to the forward line that Michael has had access to. So Lee Byrne was out injured for, pretty much mm. the entire time at the start of the season that Dean was still here and the EK was came back for a bit and is now again but so we're basically starting with the goal machine that is Alfie May uh, and anyone else we could squeeze in up top so we were we were light as a squad but like I say defensively organisationally we were poor still and that was a hangover from last season I mean Andy Scott spoke a little bit about I don't know the way that, that Dean sort of interacted with players around the dressing room as well. So we don't really know what he meant by that, but it certainly it, it didn't feel right this season. It felt like we were sort of in that death spiral that you get with a manager. You can tell when it, there's no way back. Um, the decision mm-hmm. to sack him came earlier than I was expecting, but I think if it had been another two weeks of the same sort of performances, I think I would have I would have expected it at that point. So 
I I had no qualms personally about Dean going. Unfortunately, he was a lovely bloke, but the timing surprised me. But you know, like the season before last, Charlton took too long to sack Nigel Atkins, so I wasn't. I'm not devastated yeah. it happened when it happened. Unfortunately, yeah, Mike, Michael's again got a reaction. Had much better access to uh, to, to playing staff, as I mentioned there. He he came in about three days before the end of the window, so there was a little bit more depth. Um, but that was mainly players coming back from injuries, as I said there, Chooks and, and Miles. Um, yeah, he's found something like, you know, we, we've had our moments underneath his stewardship. You know, we lost away at Lincoln and a lot of the bad habits from the early part of the season were there. Uh, we lost at home to Bolton, who, you know, our, our record against size in the top half of the table was pretty poor anyway. And, and that was, you know, we, we saw really that, on our day, on their day, Bolton are a better side than us, and that that's probably the harsh truth of it where we are at the moment. Um, but yeah, he has he has picked up results that we would have expected him to pick up, if that makes sense. So our our record against sides in the bottom half is very good, which he won't be pleased to hear about uh, <laughs> as we come to you guys as well. So yeah, he he's found a bit of reaction. He's he's had a better squad to choose from. Um, hopefully, you know he'll he'll get to work a bit more on that defensive aspect. So I feel like it's improved slightly under him, but there's still we're still shipping a fair few goals in, in the games which, which need to be addressed. Um, danger men, men. Uh, who are the ones to watch out for in your squad? I mean, Alfie may seem a very obvious one to start with, but there's any other players out there that we should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, so you probably don't even need, need me to tell you about Alfie nah. because he has been so good. 15 goals already this season. Our top scorer last season, Jezrak Saki on loan from Palace, got 15 goals uh, and we're in November. So he's already matched that, yeah. which is remarkable. <laughs> uh, the, the one I like to point out, Corey Blackett-Taylor. Um, he's he's scoring he, goals. He's, he he's always really has good games us. against us. He always yeah, has good games against us. It's so, amazing yeah. how many people say that actually, because obviously he has he, he was floating around in League Two with Tranmere for a bit. Um, Tranmere, yeah. But yeah, he he he's all he's always had the ability to get beyond his man. His entire time he's been with us. But yeah. I'd say it's only the last twelve months that he's really added end product. So he he, he scored a, a load of goals second half of last season and assists, and he started. Started in that vein at the beginning of this season as well. Like his goal tally has been impressive so far, um, but he, he's picking up those assists as well. So yeah, he, he's been fantastic. You know, there's, there's been championship interest in him, uh, which probably shows how much he has improved over the last the last year or so. One that I will pick up as well, and I don't even know if he'll play actually, but Tyrese Campbell is sort of um, the younger Corey Blackett Taylor, so he's still learning his trade a little bit. Uh, play plays uh, sort of uh, on on the wide. The, the wide part of the free as as well if we're playing a free up top or uh whichever way we, we we line up um yeah he's been he's been okay this season but he's got gears that he can go through and i thought he had a good second half against sutton in the efl trophy the other day he scored a goal against cray valley um scored a really good goal at home i think it was against reading um yeah he, he he's sort of one that might have gone under the radar that's worth watching as well because yeah he, he's one that i think's got got a bit of a future ahead of him he's only 20 21 so mm-hmm. still growing into it but i i like him as well yeah um gonna ask you about samuel quickly um thoughts on his time with the addicts it wasn't a particularly a long spell he had with you guys and he's he's settled in really well with us to be fair you know i think i mentioned on your pod the fact that he's you know he's wore the captain helmband for a quite a, a decent stretch of the season so far as well yeah, I'm, ple- I'm pleased for Sam because you know I'd, I'd, he didn't have a good time of it with us, and you know I, I was I wasn't exactly calling for him to be in the first team at any point. Um, he yeah. struggled with us. He, he looked low on confidence. He had injury problems as well, which is always quite disruptive when when you've moved to a new club. Obviously, mm-hmm. the questions about 
being the big fish up at Morecambe, you know, in in your sort of hometown area, and and then moving down south, and, and not and not perhaps having that same leadership role as well. But you know, he just, he just looked devoid of confidence. I, I couldn't tell you what his he was good at when he played for us. Like I did, like he didn't massively even stand out in the air, which you'd think would be his sort of bread and butter. Ooh. But positionally, I thought he was poor. But you know. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He he's not been the only defender that struggled with us over the last few years. So it, it could be a coaching whatever. It, it isn't necessarily just down to him. But you know, I was I was pleased for him and for us when he left because he wasn't he wasn't looking comfortable at the valley. He had one great moment. Um, he scored our winning penalty against Brighton in the EFL Trophy, which took us mm. to the quarterfinals and Man United away. So he, we'll always have that that happy memory. But yeah, overall his time with us was was disappointing for him and and for us cuz uh i i guess overall we we probably hoped he 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 he'd do a bit better for us than he did yeah cuz he excelled at Morecambe, didn't he and he just mm. sometimes players just fit at certain clubs down there and it just doesn't quite work for others but there you go um you mentioned it earlier so let, let's let's cover this as sort of the last question here um you guys have got some very good memories of Brunton Park, haven't you? As you mentioned, they're promoted twice in the 80s at Brunton Park. Famously, one of those games our fans will always remember is the game where Jim Tolmy scored an own goal from his own, from pretty much the halfway line for us. And that pretty much relegated us that, that goal there. Um, and obviously, the other one was uh, more recently, about 10, 12 years ago, I think it was, or maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, 2000, 2012. Yeah, so it's, I yeah. think it's. 81, 85, and 2012, bizarrely. We've mm. probably won promotion there more times than we have at the Valley. It's just a weird record. Obviously, I wasn't there for any, the, the ones in the 80s. I've been I've been up to your place twice. So my first visit, I remember getting a coach up one of our first seasons back in League One, and we lost like 3-1 or something. It was a really Graham poor Graham Cavanagh scored an abs- yeah, absolute blind in that area. game, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, the only, my main memory from that game, it was the week after... Uh, the infamous beach ball goal that our former striker Darren Bent scored for Sunderland yes. up at against Liverpool. Uh, on the coach up, we stopped. We stopped at the service station, <laughs> and for some reason, it must have been coming out of the summer or something. They had like a special offer on beach balls, so we all bought loads of beach balls and were throwing them around on the pitch and stuff. Uh, but yeah, the 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 one 0 win in two thousand and twelve when Bradley Wright Phillips scored for us was yeah. the day we confirmed uh, promotion. Uh, so I think we sealed the title a week later. But yeah, we, we confirmed promotion. There was a bit of a pitch invasion, which I didn't get involved in, mainly because at the full-time whistle, we hadn't been promoted at that point. We had to wait for a <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday game to finish. Like I think they were drawing away at Colchester or something like that. So I always thought, if I run on the pitch, you just know that Sheffield Wednesday are going to score. But a lot yeah. of people did celebrate on the pitch that day. And yeah, like really fond memories. That's what, partly why I'm looking forward to coming back so much on on the Saturday, because that'll be the first time I've, I've set foot in Carlisle, other than going through on the train on the way up to, to Glasgow in, in, in that 11 years or so. And so, yeah, it'll bring back many happy memories. And obviously it's a it's a nice traditional world ground to visit as well, which is which is something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm just looking through the lineups from that day. I mean, Graham Cavanagh did score twice. Was Ian Hart also scored? I have a feeling that was a, might have been a header from a corner, actually, because he scored a lot of headers from corners yeah. for us. Hart. But I'm looking, Joanne Yinsu was on the bench for us that day, obviously played for you guys as well. And yeah. uh, John Joe Shelby came off the bench for you. Yeah, it was a young. So, yeah, so the, se- the season after we had an amazing game as well, which I missed. I remember being a bit gutted. So we were 3 0 up. Uh, you mm. guys got back to 3 3, and then we scored a last minute winner to win 4 3. So yes. it's, ne- it's never boring. It's never boring when we go to Brunton Park. So ho- hopefully there'll be, obviously, obviously with the party atmosphere this Saturday, hopefully there'll be, be something interesting that we can remember in 11 or 12 years' time. 
I mean, I'm looking there as well, actually. And guess who scored one of the goals in that four-three? Joe and Yinter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm in scoring there. I think Paul Benson, maybe Jacko might have got one as well. Uh, yeah, it's, Paul Benson got two, and uh, Johnny Jackson got uh, got yeah. the other one. So you, you remember that very well that day. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's look. I've got some good memories of his games against Charlton as well because I, I was working at the club around about that time as well. And I remember that one-nil game where you won promotion. We actually played quite well because we were going for promotion right about that time as well, and we played well. But you guys just got that goal. And you're like, right, we're not going to lose this game today. We are going to get that result and, and put in a real performance for you guys. So, yeah. Sorry, go on. We, we used. I say we used to. Be, I remember we ground out quite a few wins at the end of that season. Mm. That was one where we just just got over the line with a really scrappy goal <laughs> from a corner. Yeah, but no, uh, Louis, you've been very generous for your time. Thank you very much. Before you go, we always ask our opposition pods for a prediction for the weekend game. So let's hear what score you reckon it's going to be. Uh, well, we won't keep a clean sheet because we rarely do. Although you guys don't score a great deal, but now I, I never predict a clean sheet for us. But I do predict <laughs> us to go and score goals. So. Yeah, maybe three one Charlton. Hopefully, uh, Alfie may hat trick because he's he's due one. So you're going to be party poopers this weekend for our uh, takeover <laughs> celebration. Is that the plan? That reality is going to hit, and they'll be looking to sell <laughs> within within the next few weeks. Definitely. I, I, I certainly hope not. Uh, Louis, thanks for your time, and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Cheers, and to you guys. Yes, big thanks to Louis for giving up his time to speak to us you know it's always a reciprocal thing we try and do with podcasts when they ask us to go on as well so fantastic that he was able to speak to us about all things Charlton right look ahead to the game I think these are the kind of games we look forward to in this league aren't we we've said this before but you know your Portsmouth your derbies and you know clubs like that that's what we're really looking forward to in terms of, of games we get to play isn't it this season yeah definitely I mean Charlton used to I mean not too long ago they were kind of part of the furniture in the Premier League yeah they, they, they were sort of top top eight in Alan Kirby uh, days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think unlike other teams at this level, it seems like a long time since because once they got relegated, I don't think they ever went back up, did they? I think no, and they've been down to to League One a couple of times. Yeah, time, yeah. So it's yeah for them, it, it, it's it's that thing they managed to get themselves out League One, but then they have another crisis off the pitch, mm. <laughs> end up going back down to League One. And then they struggled to get back up. They've struggled to get back up in the last few seasons from there, haven't they? So that's that's mm. been the real challenge for them. Um, but I mean, it is it is a big club, you know. It covers quite a, you know the area where they're at in South London. They are the, they are the the club, aren't they? Really, you've got Millwall yeah. not too far away, but you know they've got such a big catchment area for fans that really they, they, there is potential for them to be there and 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 be a Premier League club again. I suspect in in the future. So you mm. know, big big game this weekend. Um, Looking at their squad, Mike, I mean, we, we, in the preseason preview, I think we all had them being right up there, didn't we? I think we all thought playoffs at the very least. I think, yeah, playoffs fact, at least. I think all three of us might have even predicted them to win the playoffs. I might be wrong on that one. Someone will remember from from the list. I don't know, I can't remember who you, who you picked, but I'm pretty sure we all had them in the top six. Mm. But um, but when you look at some of the summer signings, they made some cracking signings in the summer, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Alfie May is obviously the main yeah. one. Um from Cheltenham, who's been, it's one of them who's scoring goals in a not so good team. So put him in a good team, and uh, yeah, it's... doesn't always work that though. To be fair, doesn't always. No, it work, doesn't. He's, he's it really doesn't. Has, he really has yeah. stepped up, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, twelve goals in fifteen league games this season. That's what we'd give for like someone who was on six goals. In yeah, games at the moment. But uh, I mean, I know Joe Garner's got a few goals for us. To be fair, but yeah, maybe even like seven or eight would be nice from someone. Mm. But, um, but yeah, Alfie May absolutely. Brilliant sign. I mean, what they paid just over a quarter of a million for him, I think. So 
that shows kind of the difference sometimes, doesn't it, in terms of what you can bring in. And that's the kind yeah. of thing hopefully we'll be able to do soon. But relatively speaking, you know, I mean, I think if Harrogate Town were wanting half a mil for, um, what's his chops? Yeah, Armstrong. Uh, Armstrong um, then a quarter of a mil for Alfie May is a bargain, you know, if, if that's where the market's at nowadays. Yeah, it, it depends on circumstances, isn't it? So I don't know how long May's contract was at Cheltenham. Mm. Like, if only had a year left. I know that Armstrong's got a couple of years, I think, hasn't he? Mm. So probably explains why. And he's more of a target man and all-round striker, so maybe that's why they value him a bit higher. But um, but you're right. I mean, some of the other players there, Lloyd Jones, a very good defender from Cambridge, isn't he? And they managed to get him on a yeah. free. It, it, really it was a hole for a while, I think. Um, I think so, yeah. I know he was at Liverpool because uh, he lived uh, not far from me. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, he was really well thought of at, at Liverpool, and he's had a, a decent sort of League One Championship career. I'm just looking through. I don't know if he's been at Hull actually. He's been at Blackpool on loan. He was at Swindon Town. Luton is where he was at, uh, and then he went to Northampton, Cambridge, and obviously now he's at Charlton. So he's he's 28 now, so he's not too, not not the youngest, but he yeah, mm. from 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 Plymouth originally. So he must have been moved up to Liverpool to live near you. Yeah, he, he got he got. Uh, I think Liverpool paid. Plymouth, a lot of money for him when he was. I'm just looking at young. 16. They paid 150,000 pounds for him. Yeah, 16, yeah. So it tells you what you need to know, doesn't it? Um, and you know he's played for Wales youth and England youth as well, so he's, he's clearly a good player. Um, any of us stand out there from their summer signings? Um, I'm just having a look now. Slobberdan Tedic stands out for me because he must be the first Slobberdan we've ever played. Surely. There can't yeah. be many Slobberdans that have played even in English football. So it's a yeah. name that stands out for the wrong reasons in a, in a weird way, doesn't it? But um, but yeah, he's a, an interesting one. Harry Isted actually is an interesting one. He's not really playing for them, but he was at Barnsley last season, wasn't he? I think on loan from Luton. So, you know, that, I think they really liked him at Barnsley and couldn't get yeah. him, didn't they? Yeah. No. Any others? No. I think Kem Campbell's one, I think, that's it's quite... Uh, Chem Campbell, I don't know how you pronounce that. He's one that's quite well thought of at Wolves, I think. So... Mm. He's an interesting one. And in terms of players, they've, they've not really lost too many big players, really, have they, when you look at it? No. I mean, Jack Payne going out on loan to MK Dons is an interesting one because I've always really liked him. He's a good little player. Mm. But, um, but yeah, when you look at the ones they've lost, there's not that much in terms of a drop-off in quality for them, is there? So it's, it's been a good summer. Looking at the, the squad overall, anyone else stand out to you? Um, well, I've seen uh, another one that you that you didn't say James Abanqua on loan from Udinese oh I should have said yeah I was going to say yeah. that one there can't be many clubs at our level have had a player on loan from Udinese is it yeah I mean, te- technically you're getting a player on loan from Watford there aren't you I think but um well yeah well, are, they, are they still owned by the people who are on Watford I can't remember I think he so was either, he was either them or uh, Granada that, that, that sold they, they sold didn't they so there's only they don't own three of them now they only own two mm. of them I think possibly but I can't remember I should ask my mate Matt who's a Watford fan he'll, he'll probably be able to tell me but um but yeah, you're right. That's an interesting one, James uh, Banqua. Um I'm just looking through it now. Um, I mean, Charlie Kirk's a pretty good forward in the attack. Corey Blackett Taylor always has a good game against us, doesn't he? Mm. And he destroyed us for Tranmere the other season, didn't he? I think I seem to remember. Yeah, um, uh, Chuck Sanike has had a yeah. bit of a varied career. When he's good, he's very good, isn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. Sneaky. When he's poor, he, he he can be quite anonymous. Uh, Michael Hector's initial one. He's he's the one who was at Reading, wasn't he? And Chelsea signed him, I think. But then he never played a game for them. If I remember rightly, I'm just double checking that while we're talking here. But I remember he was a really interesting one because I think they signed him when he was like, yeah, he played non-league football. Um, I'm just looking through here. Uh, he, he joined Reading in 2009, and he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
eight, nine, ten, eleven different loan spells over six years while mm. he was there. And then Chelsea signed him, loaned mm. him back to Reading, and then loaned him to Eintracht Frankfurt, Hull City, and Sheffield Wednesday. He had a bit of a spell at Fulham, and now he's at Charlton. He's got 38 mm. caps for Jamaica. That's it. I mean, I'm just I'm going to list some of the clubs he went on loan to from Reading, because it's mad. This is an order. Bracknell Town, Digcut Town, Havant and Waterlooville, Oxford City, Horsham, Dundalk, Barnet, Shrewsbury Town, Aldershot Town, Cheltenham Town, and Aberdeen. Like, <laughs> that, that is a career and a half, isn't it? And he, yeah. How old is he now? I'm just looking now. He's only 31. <laughs> so, like, he's still got a More bit of time left in career, isn't he? More clubs yeah. than Tiger Woods, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, really interesting. Because I remember when Chelsea signed him, everyone was a bit like, what's that about? Because I think at that point, he would have been. I'm trying to look at this here. Um, how old would he have been? So, he signed for Chelsea in 2015. Uh, yeah, we were about 24 then. Mm. Very strange move, isn't it? But there you go. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's an interesting player, definitely. Um, and yeah, other than that, obviously, like we said in attack, they've got some real talent there and they still be... It's going to be tough. Undoubtedly mm. going to be a tough game this weekend. No doubt about it. The last time out, they played Portsmouth in the league and they drew 2-2. Um, Portsmouth did take the lead twice in this game, but they got pegged back by Charlton, including a 93rd minute. Um equaliser from McGrandles. If you want to see this goal, it, oh, the keeper's had a nightmare. He gets completely done at his near post with a low header. Really, really should be stopping it. But I watched the YouTube highlights because I like to have a little look and see what, what happened in those games. Portsmouth absolutely battered them. I mean, they mm. hit the bar about four times. They, they should have been three or four up before Char- uh, Charlton equalised the first time through May. And then even after that, they took the lead. They should have really won it more comfortably. And then obviously... Managed to get back into it, didn't they, uh, Charlton? So it just showed they got a bit of fighting spirit about them. And recent results, obviously, we don't talk about the trophy game. The last game they played other than that was in the FA Cup. It was a replay against Cray Valley Paper Mills, which they won 6-1, having drawn the initial game 1-1 at the Valley. Uh, they've drawn 2-2 at Portsmouth. Um, and they've, they've won 3-2 at Wigan, but then lost 2-0 at home to Bolton and lost 3-1 at uh, Lincoln City. So, you know, there's a vulnerable side to them, isn't there? Undoubtedly there. Yeah, um, and at home, typically, I, I do fancy us against anyone. But at the same time, I do think that with the big crowd and the takeover, it would just be the most Carlisle United thing ever to lose this Well, one. I'm going I'm to spoil things in a minute and talk about our recent record against Charlton, unfortunately, which is not great. But before yeah. we do that, I've got to mention um, their manager's Michael Appleton. He came in in September. Dean Holden was sacked uh, not long into the season. Um He's a manager who's done... He's an interesting one because he gets disparaged by some, but actually his record's fairly good as a manager, isn't it? Especially at League One level. Well, I think he had that spell, didn't he, where he managed like five clubs in two years or something? Mental. Yeah. He kept sort of jumping club to club. And yeah. I mean, the clubs he's been at and people he's been coached by talk really highly of him. I think at Blackpool he did an, an okay job there, I think. I, don't, I can't remember, but... You know, I think there's been one or two clubs where he's been out where they've actually... I think Oxford, I think, was the one, wasn't it? Where they actually really liked him there, I think, for most of his time and... And thought he did a decent job. Lincoln as well, I think, wasn't he? He was at Lincoln and I'm just looking through here. He's managed he was he was caretaker at West Brom, but he's managed Portsmouth for one season. But Blackpool, he's been in there twice. Um Blackburn Rovers, he had that one season there, didn't he? I think that's where you're thinking, basically. He went from West mm. Brom, Portsmouth, Blackpool and uh, Blackburn, and then Oxford in the space of three years, those five clubs. But Oxford he spent three years there, did okay. He had three years at Lincoln as well, where he did okay as well. So I think he's someone who people kind of expect to do okay potentially he's i know his career was ended quite early by injury wasn't it but he's um, mm. certainly someone who a lot of his thought of i think in terms of what mm. he could potentially do um 
but he's got them sort of slowly moving up the table. And I, I, I still think they'll finish in the playoffs, to be honest, come the end of the yeah, season. I think I, just, so. I think they've got enough quality to get themselves up then. I'd imagine they'll add a couple in, in January as well. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, the some of the stats and stuff, the uh, referee for this game is Lee Doughty, by the way. He was actually referee for the Portsmouth game the other week. Quite mm. a quick turnaround. You don't see that very often, really. Um, it's his fifth season as an EFL referee, starting in 2019. Quickly got trust-tracked to the championship um, after just one season at League 2 level. He's taken charge of 12 games so far this season, handing out 52 yellows and two reds. Last season, he handed out 154 yellows and six red cards in 33 games while officiating... Sorry, I should have changed that. I, I, I keep... I've got, I left this thing in that says officiating at National League level and I keep forgetting to remove it from another past referee, but there you go. Uh, the last United time he took charge of, as we said, was the 1-0 defeat at Portsmouth the other month. And the head-to-head record, Mike, as I mentioned, I have not updated on here. That's really annoying. Uh, I do know <laughs> off the top of my head, though, it's our 40th meeting uh, against um, Charlton, of which we've won eight... We've drawn 12 and we've lost 19. Ooh. So the record's not great against them. And actually, I think we've only won three of our last 14, I think, games against them, going back to 1984 or 1983. So that's yeah. 40 years worth. Uh, three, three have been draws and obviously the other remaining games have all been defeated, I think eight or something like that. So yeah, yeah our record's not particularly great against Charlton. And like I said, they have, tend to have a good record at Brunton Park. They like coming here. They've, they've won promotion here twice. I think mm. at least. So it's not going to be easy in that sense. Um, haven't had time to, to get together a proper play for both. And Dan's away on holiday at the moment, as you'll find out when he does his prediction shortly. <laughs> um, so he hasn't had a chance to do one as well. But I'll just list the players because there's some interesting ones here. Ben Amick and Ben Amos. I'm sure basically have just played for all the same clubs. I think, I think, so. I think they might actually be the same person. <laughs> and we've just been tricked into thinking that there's two goalkeepers called Ben who are like, what, six foot five and have played at Premier League clubs. And well, I feel like they both probably played for a lot of clubs the same way they both played for us, and that they were kind of Premier League third, fourth choice keepers that were getting loaned out to clubs on emergency 30-day yeah. loans. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Joanne Yinser, he had a spell there as well. Didn't really work out for him there, unfortunately. Harry Arter, I think he started his career there, possibly. Uh, Dennis Booth, I've put in there because he played for Charlton. Obviously, he didn't play for us, but he was a... Uh, well, well liked coach after his time here. Uh, here's another two that I'm coming to are exactly the same person: Gary Borrowdale and Danny Butterfield. Did I, you I hear the... the story doing the rounds today I've, about I've, Danny I've Butterfield? Heard, I've heard that story many times before. It's an incredible story. How yeah. when he was at Crystal Palace, Neil Warnock basically. Uh, his wife said she had a dream where Danny Butterfield, who was a right back, we should note, <laughs> played yeah. up front and scored a hat trick. So the next <laughs> game, he played him up front and scored a hat trick, and he scored a perfect hat trick in six minutes. Incredible. It's astonishing, isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> astonishing. But yeah, I'm convinced Gary Borodell and Danny Butterfield are the same person. Uh, Tony Cake famously played in the Premier League for um, Charlton yeah. Athletic. Uh, Jamal Campbell Rice is the most Charlton sounding player of, of all time, I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, he, basically, Barnett and Charlton are two clubs you could guarantee he's played for at some point. I, I think Campbell Rice played for them at the same time as Bart Williams as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right on that one. Uh, Jordan Cook had a not particularly successful spell there, as did Nathan Eccleston. God, remember him. Kevin Feely, now there's one you don't want to remember. No. <laughs> he was awful. Sam Lavelle, obviously, we signed in the summer, was there. Peter Shirtliff had a spell there. Toby Show Silver was there as a youth player. Uh, I, think, I don't know if he actually played a first-team game. Uh, Matt Young, again, was another one who was there as a youth team player. Right, let's talk about United then, Mike. Uh, we'll bash through this as well. Um, injury-wise, it's looking better for... 
Josh Coyote. The, I think he's going to see a specialist sometime next week. I think isn't it to, to see where he is and how it's healed. And yeah, he's back out doing training with us, isn't he? On the grass, he's not doing contact stuff yet, obviously. But it's really good to see, isn't it? The fact that he's getting close. And I think there's been talk that potentially he's going to target that game just before Christmas against Cheltenham for his comeback. Yeah, fingers crossed because uh, I think we certainly need him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those ones. Actually, even if you look, if he manages to prove his fitness over, you know, those last few games in December and into January. Do you just get him tied down on a permanent deal in January? Mm. And that frees up a loan plate space as well, as much as anything. Mm. If you really like him and you really want him long term, do that almost, you think? I mean, I I, I can't help but when we've we've obviously played Orient twice this season and seen Joe Piggott for them, and I just feel if Joe Piggott had joined us instead of Leighton Orient, and I'm not saying that we were in for him or anything like that, but I think we would probably be three or four places higher in the league and Orient would be three or four places lower. I think he's just one of those players. Like Coyote, sort of a big striker who can just turn play other players' performances from six out of tens to eight out of tens, yeah. just can, by bringing can, them into play. Exactly, bring them into play. He, he can link play. He's not necessarily going to score, you know, twenty goals a season. He'll get into double figures just about maybe, but that's not that's not the the main purpose of him being in there. Isn't it? It's to make your team better overall. Mm. You're absolutely right on that one. I think. Um, obviously, Callum Guy sadly is going to be out for nine to ten months with his ACL injury, and Huntington. And Charters are both out for five weeks with their uh, respective uh, injuries now as well. Jack Ellis is back in training, but not quite there yet, I don't think. So he, I wonder if he'll maybe possibly be on the bench this week. And that was last week, I think, wasn't it, when they said mm. that? So uh, I know that Sean Maguire was ill last week, wasn't he? And so he missed out against uh, Harrogate, as did Owen Moxon with his dead leg. But you'd imagine he'll be back for this weekend, wouldn't you? You'd mm. hope. There shouldn't be a problem there. We are missing Joe Garner, though, and Alfie McCalman, both suspended for one more game. Um, obviously, Garner's was for five bookings and. McCalmont is the final game of his free game ban for the red card against Cambridge. Um, what do we do for this game in terms of team selection formation? I presume we're going to stick with 4-3-3 for now. just seems to be the obvious thing to do. Yeah. What 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 do you do in terms of your team selection? I presume your back four is going to pick itself, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think with the players available, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we saw Redmondson actually play. Hmm. Um, because well, I think... If you took if you to go four three three, you want a bit of presence up there that without Garner we're missing out on really. It's, it's interesting you say that because he didn't play in the trophy at all against Harrogate, mm, which was a, I know. A which shock. I thought, I thought that was on. weird. Yeah, it was an odd one, which to me maybe sends this message out to where he currently is in the pecking order and how unhappy mm. Simo is with his performance. I don't know. We might be wrong on that one, but mm. it doesn't look great, does it, for him? But. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine your midfield three is going to have to pick itself, and it's going to be McGeek. Moxon and probably Gibson, isn't it? I think. Yeah, to be honest, I think it's so. the only real way you can do it because there's no one else to, to slot in there, unfortunately. Because mm. um, Mellish has to play in that back four, unfortunately, just the reality mm. of it. Um, so you've got that. And then imagine your front three, Gibson, oh, no, Gibson obviously won't be up there, will he? So do you bring a bladder in from the start? I probably wouldn't. I'd probably still use him as sub. So yeah, you're right. It might well be that your front three is basically. Um, I forgot who we have there now. It'd be. Plange, Maguire and Edmonton maybe, possibly Butterworth. I'm, again, I'm not convinced about him as a winger, really. Mm. So, it's or tough. You, it's, or, or you play sort of McGeek and Moxon sitting, you play yeah. Butterfield as a 10 and then you stick Gibson on one of the wings. Yeah, yeah you could do that. That won't be a possible option, actually. No, I wouldn't. Oh, against a good team like Charlton to risk that, though, I think, to mm. be honest. And well, at the same time, though, having two sitting midfielders against Charlton could yeah. make us a bit more solid. It, it, it's a tough one to judge to me. And I, it'll be interesting. Look, 
it's a really tough one for Simo, but not in the sense of like he's got tough decisions because people are playing well. He's got tough decisions because we haven't really got options. No. He's having to he's having to put a lot of square pegs and round holes at the moment, mm. which is frustrating. But that's just the reality of where we are, and you're going to potentially end up with three or four defenders on the bench filling spaces. Mm. You might even have one of them youth team players who was on the bench against Harrogate might have to come on again, possibly. Mm. You know, just just to fill a space as much as anything. So. Yeah, not not an ideal situation, but um, interesting to see what happens. Like I said, I I think the obvious thing is what we said there, and I think you're right. Probably Butterworth, maybe in the number ten role, might be the obvious choice. I I just don't think he trusts Edmonton enough. I think Edmonton will still be on the bench, but you know mm-hmm. he'll be the first choice sub. So hopefully, so chance for him in a big game like that to prove prove everyone wrong. That, that's what you're hoping for, right? Uh, predictions time, Mike. What are you going to go for? Uh, I mean, I haven't gone for a single defeat all season, but I'm going to go for a one-all draw, and I'll go for uh, Jordan Gibson to score. Right, I, I would have gone for a defeat in this one if the takeover hadn't been done, but the takeover has been done. So as a result, I'm going to go for an exciting 3-1 win. I think just the crowd will lift us. I think we'll be 2-1 for a lot of the game, and Chat will be really pushing for the equaliser, and then we'll hit them on the break later on to get the, the third and I'm going to go for goals from Gibson. Uh, Moxon to get one because he's due one. has been due one for a while. And I'll go on Sam Lavelle against his old club. We are due a defender to score. It's finally time for a defender to score. And what, what perfect man to score a goal other than Sam Lavelle. Right, I was going to play uh, Dan's prediction. I've just realised I haven't actually put it into the system. So while I'm talking here, I'm going to have to upload it again because we had a few problems at the start, didn't we, Mike, in terms of trying yeah. to get the recording going. So Technical bit of a nightmare. There you go. So he, he, I've got it uploaded now. So here's Dan's prediction for the game. Uh, from I presume from his son lounger by the pool. Hola from Tenerife. But I will be back in time for Saturday. Uh, I want to go for a right humdinging of a match. 3-2 win for the Blues. We're going to have goals from Boyd Moxon, Jordan Gibson and Ryan Edmondson with an 88th minute winner. Up the blows. Remarkably close to my prediction. I was getting worried there. Is he, is he, fought, <laughs> he fought hard about his last one. I thought he's going to go Sam Lavelle there because it's his old club, but he, he didn't. Thank, thank the Lord. There you go. Uh, in terms of the table, nothing's changed because we've been wrong with our predictions once again last time, weren't we? So there you go. Yeah, you and Dan <coughs> are both on seven. And honestly, I think it's actually impressive that I'm on zero. Like to have zero points. I, I, I think that actually takes <laughs> some disgrace. doing. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, right, let's bash through the X Files as well now. Um, so, we've got a couple of weekends and midweeks to cover here. There's a fair bit to cover. Uh, James Tavernier. It seems like we name him every bloody week at the moment, don't we? Yeah. He's um, on the penalties again. Once again, involved. He missed one, but he also scored one for Rangers in their 2 0 win at Livingston. Interesting stat that Dan brought up and shared with us uh, about this. James Tavernier is now in the top 10 all-time penalty scorers. Not for Rangers, of all time. Mm. In terms of like players in the world anywhere. He's in the top 10. It's incredible that. I was thinking, like, cause he never took penalties for us. So it's only really when he's been to Rangers, I guess, that he started taking them. It's so, one of them. It's incredible. Yeah. But at the same time, it, I, I'm not shocked by it at all. No, I mean, Rangers seem to get about a million penalties. And they don't actually get that many given against them either, do they? I think mm. so it's, yeah, it's fair play, though. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a record to have, you know, the one he's got there at the moment. Um, 
Yes, so that's that one. Christian Dennis, you got a goal for Tramia. This might be his first league goal for them, actually, isn't it, I think, if I remember rightly. Maybe he's scored so, another, yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, he scored for Tramia Rovers in their 3-0 win over Forest Green Rovers. That's a big result for them to get them, drag them away from trouble because uh, they're right down there, Forest Green, aren't they? And actually, Tyrese mm. Omatoya scored an own goal for Forest Green in this game as well. Uh, Olofelo Olomole, he's had a really good start to his life at Bromley. He scored for them in their 1-1 draw at Boreham Wood. Cameron Solkeld, he scored for Darlington in their 3-2 home win over Chester, a game which George Glendon scored as well for Chester. There's quite a few of these games this week, isn't there, where both teams have had a player who's an ex-Blues score for them. Yeah, yeah. A few of them. Uh, Owen wins this one that Dan actually missed this. I spotted this when I was looking through, checking who, who'd played, what, what games the players have played in. Owen wins has scored a goal for Chippenham Town in their 2-2 draw with uh, Chelmsford City. Um Joe McKee, he got a goal for Pete Head in their 3-2 win over Stranra. And it was goals galore from X-Blues for Workington. Uh, Stephen Rigg, David Simington and Jamie Devitt, really nice to see him on the score sheet, scored goals for Workington. Unfortunately, it was a 4-3 defeat uh, against Geisley. So uh, not an ideal one, but nice to see all three X-Blues scoring there. Um, into the midweek after that one, Arthur Genoa, he scored twice for Grimsby. I didn't even realise he'd gone to Grimsby. Mm. I must have completely missed it. I'm sure we mentioned it on one of the past ones, but I just it just completely passed me by. He scored uh, twice for Grimsby in their 7-2 FA Cup first round replay win over Slytown. The next few are all FA Cup uh, replays. Um, Tyrese Omotoye found the right net this time, uh, scoring for Forest Green in their 5-2 replay win over Scarborough Athletic. And George Glendon scored for Chester, but they lost 2-1 in their replay at York City. And then finally in this midweek section, Mark Ellis, he scored for Chorley, the opening goal in their 8-0 home win over Darlington. That's mad to think why Darlington have dropped in the, in the world, isn't yeah. it, in terms of football? It's crazy, isn't it? Um, on to the last weekend, just gone. Uh, Alex Gilead scored for Bradford City in their 4-2 defeat at Notts County. They were 4-0 down at half-time in this one. Not a great start to life for Graham Alexander, his manager there. Toby Show Silby is grabbing a few goals at the moment for Maidenhead United. He scored in their 2 1 win at Solihull Moors, a game in which Mark Beck scored the goal for Solihull. Um, Jack Bridge, he scored from the penalty spot for South End in a really impressive home win for them, 2 1 against Chesterfield. Duncan Iden, he joined uh, Yeovil Town on loan from Bristol City until January and scored in his debut. Unfortunately, it was a 2 1 defeat at Torquay United in the FA Trophy. Uh, X-Blues again scoring for Workington this time. Stephen Rigg got one and David Simonson scored two for Workington in their 3-0 win at Basford United. You pointed out, uh, Mike, that quite a few Carlisle fans went to this game because it was sort of down the road from Sheffield, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously it was, a lot of people had booked train tickets to go down already anyway, so they might as well. Um, Brad Young, he scored twice for the New Saints in their 4-1 win over Arbroath in the Scottish Challenge Cup quarterfinals. So they're into the semi-finals now, the, the Welsh side. Yep. Makes sense of that. Uh, Byron Webster, he was sent off for Bromley in their 3-2 home defeat to Aldershot Town. And Tristan Abraham scored a penalty for Welling United in their 2-2 draw at Taunton Town in the FA Trophy. They went on to win the game 8-7 on penalties. On to other bits in news now. Uh, just some transfers and a bit of international stuff. Uh, Jared Branthwaite and James Trafford, they both started both of England's under-21 games over the international break. And Jared was captain for Everton, uh, sorry, for England in their game against Northern Ireland, which was played at Goodison Park. I'm annoyed about this because I had no idea it was at Goodison Park and I would have gone mm. if I'd known. But uh, but there you go. So really nice to see uh, Jared getting a bit of recognition there. Um, Alex McQueen. Did I miss Alex McQueen? I forgot about Alex McQueen's goal in. He scored for Oxford City. I think they won 4-0 against someone. Apologies for this. He actually scored in his debut for them. He signed for National League side Oxford City uh, last weekend. So, well, he's a weird career, isn't it, really? 
Yeah, got I think it was almost. badly advised, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And just a couple of other transfers. Uh, Danny Devine has signed for Gainsborough Trinity from Geisley. And Keelan Leslie, after leaving Workington, has joined Carlisle City. That's it, Mike. Whew, I thought it was going to be yeah. a short one, that one, but it's, it's got it's got a bit longer because of the old takeover stuff. It's dragged out a bit longer, but yeah, really exciting times. We're, we're both really looking forward to this weekend, aren't we? I think the next game for you is going to be the Northampton game, I think. Yeah, that'll be my the, next one. Which is the next home game after the Charlton game. It's a three-week wait for a home game. So that's quite a lot, isn't it, really, when you think about it? But, uh, yeah. But yeah, well, it's, it's longer than that, really, because I, I was at the Burton Albion game, and obviously I was meant to go to Barnsley, but yeah. that got called off, so it's... That's seven weeks between games for me, I yeah. think. Yeah, quite a way, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Um, we'll be back next week, obviously, in terms of reviewing the the game against um, uh, what you call them against Charlton, and we'll we'll because we'll, we potentially we don't know if we're going to have a Barnes again to preview yet, but we'll potentially preview that, or we'll maybe do something a little bit different to fill the space that we'll cover the preview. Normally, we'll preview the Blackpool game after that. Obviously, we'll preview the Reading game as well. Sorry, I forgot to say that. We'll do a little preview for that at the weekend, probably. But there you go. Uh, yeah, in terms of that, that's it, Mike, isn't it? So uh, all it's got to say is uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. And up the blues. Up the blues. Mm-hmm. <laughs>